from Penelope Maver and welcome back to the Earth Converse podcast where we explore our relationship and conversations with the earth all in the hope of inspiring a deeper connection with ourselves, each other and the earth that is our home. And I have Martina Tadley here with me and I just, honestly, I just, so I'm just delighted because I met Martina a year ago, I interviewed Christiane, and she and Russ led this um, nature-based coaching program, and Martina was one of the participants, and her wisdom and grace and ability to reflect and inquire and articulate, and it was no surprise to me that she is a facilitator and, and coach and consultant in sustainability and leadership and and specialising collaboration across uh, across cultures and generations and diversity, and she, you know she would offer Rilke in her native language. She's German and speaks I don't know how many languages. And then she actually was the one that introduced me to Amanda Gorman's beautiful poetry. And I said, can you please come on the Earth Converse podcast? And she, you know, she's been, you know, thinking about it and sort of planted the seed. And then a week ago, she goes, I'm ready. I have something to say. And so I'm curious. I want to know what she has to say. And I know it's going to be wonderful. So we're just going to tune into a conversation that matters. Hello, welcome, good and dark. Thank you, Penny. This was really a fantastic introduction. I'm very happy to be with you today on Earth Converse podcast. Yes. And I called you and told you I have something to say. I'm ready. And I think it's true. Um, yes, it all started, I would say, with the beginning of COVID-19. And this was in March to 2020 in Germany. I'm living on my own and I had a lot of time to think. I was in my home office. All of a sudden I had to go out. And what I realized was, oh my God, we are entering in a deep disruption. We are disconnecting. We have social distance. Everybody is so far away from everybody. And at the same time, I felt all of a sudden so connected so when I went outside, all of a sudden, for the very first time, I looked at the trees in the forest where I walked. And then I had a sort of glimpse. It was, oh, we all are like these trees. We are in a sort of distance, in a physical distance, but we are connected by our roots. And this was an image which accompanied me through my day mm. and I thought what can I do with this and um, I had already had a lot of nature experiences because I'm a passionate hiker for a lot of years I've done very long trails in Europe my longest one was from the Alps to the Mediterranean Sea mm. for over seven weeks on my own and I crossed three countries. Okay, I'm just curious about that. I'm just going to do a little side path along this route. Yes. How old were you and what made you do a beautiful pilgrimage like that? That sounds like a pilgrimage. 
Um, yes, I also did a sort of pilgrimage um, here and there, but this was something, you know, uh, at the end of the year in general, we we think about what have we done, what have we experienced during this year. So I had done this in 2016 and I thought, what do I want to do next year? And I didn't really know. So during my sleep, in my dreams, there was this idea of crossing the Alps, hiking and um, going very far. And then I thought, okay, I could do this. And I started thinking about where could I do it. And so I um, discovered a new trail at that time called the Adria, uh, Alpe Adria Trail. And um, I decided to do that. And it started in a very magic way, I would say. I took the train in summer with my huge backpack. <laughs> and instead of having sun and blue sky, it was gray and it was raining. And I was sitting in a train with um, Austrian, elder Austrian man in front of me who was about to go back home for holidays, and we talked. And then I realized, oh, my God, the train is too late. I won't get the bus, and I will not find the hotel, and everything is full in the city I was supposed to go to. So all of a sudden, I decided I'll leave the train here. I didn't know the name of the, the village we stopped and. The Austrian man said, why? You wanted to go further. I said, but I will not get the bus to go to my hotel and everything is full there. I already know it. I have to go out here. I don't know how it is called. Bye-bye. The train was quite empty and it was very dark around because of the clouds and the rain. And so started that hike. So... I, I went out and the first line I read was, each travel starts with the first step. And oh. That's it. So started my Alpe Adria trail from Austria, sometimes Italy, and then Slovenia, again Italy, and it ended in Trieste oh. after almost seven weeks. I spent a long time in the Triglau Mountains in Slovenia, and I always stopped where I thought I have to stay here. So I, I experienced a lot of very, very interesting things during this trail. I loved it a lot. And of course, I had a lot of nature experiences as I was on my own. And one experience I had, and later I read some travel books about hiking. I hadn't read it before. And I realized I'm not the only one who have had this experience. The experience was whenever I didn't know where to go, right, left, straight forward, sometimes I had to go back, I was always in a deep confidence, I will find my way and nothing will happen to me. And it was like that. And there were some crucial moments. And what happened each time I didn't know where to go to, all of a sudden, someone appeared and each time that person could help me. So this was like a pattern during the whole way, the whole path. 
And this was only one of the experiences I had. So I was already quite sensitized for what happened then uh, when COVID mm. all of a sudden came as a huge disruption for the whole globe and for us. Yes. I know that I interrupted your thread when, on that, but there's something about this COVID, this disruption, the sense of being alone, which you were alone in these big hiking trails, but the idea of going out to nature and, you know, you really, yeah, rooting, identifying with that, with that tree, that rootedness and expansiveness and sense of that was your go-to, wasn't it? And I'm sure a lot of people even felt that, but it also triggered the sense of, in sort of a sense of safety and security of what lies ahead because of your connection with nature? Absolutely. There you said two, two things. You spoke about being alone and about safety. Mm. And I think this is a very important experience in nature. I was alone in nature, but I never felt lonely. Mm. Not even one moment. Because there was always something. And the something was nature, which um, I felt more and more connected with. I became attuned to it during this trail or during hiking. And I always felt safe. Because, of course, when walking, when hiking, I put one step in front of the other. And I did it cautiously. So I was there with all my senses, with the whole focus and concentration. And I knew if I do this, nothing can happen to me. And um, the difference between living alone in an apartment or in a closed building or in an office and being alone in nature is huge. Because when you are in, in walls, you realize that these walls, they are quite, I don't know if the right word in English is hermetic, they are, they are dense, yeah? So you really feel you are closed in, but you can never be closed in when you are outside. Mm. And uh, this gives a, a very deep um, security of freedom, of being able to move, yeah? And movement is our original way of orientation, of going out in the world. We are not sedentary. We yeah. were nomads before we <laughs> built our houses. Yeah. And we are accustomed to all this comfort. Um, and it's nice, of course, to have the comfort. But originally, we are not. Mm. We are beings who, who are more outside. And I think this is a deep need we have. And when COVID started and all of a sudden there was this, this social distance, the need to go outside, to breathe, to see, to sense became stronger. And what happened then last year was I thought if I had this deep need, maybe others also have it. At the very beginning, when I started talking about it, people were a little bit surprised. What about nature? And I said, mm. you don't have this need? And then, step by step, I realized this need 
grew and grew and grew also for the others. And I started looking for people who had the same um, experience of this pandemic situation. That's how we met. Yeah, yeah, this exactly. program. Yeah, your true nature coaching with mm. Christian and Russ. And beforehand, I found another program which was called A Grounded Response to Online Engagement mm. by Beehive Productions. So I was very attracted by grounded and online. Yeah. And I thought, why am I so attracted by this combination? And I thought, yes, because our way of life, our future will be digital. Yeah. And this has a lot of advantages, like the fact that we are now yeah. walking <laughs> yeah. and uh, that it is like as if you were in front of me here in my office. But on the other hand, we need the ground, we need the soil, we need the seasons. And so there was one step, another, then I, I did another program Outdoor Intelligence for Online Coaching by Fy McMillan, which was also fantastic. And when the pandemic started, I thought, mm, working on your own, this is not future. Future is more about networking, co-creation, collaboration. And I thought, okay, this would be fantastic if I could do it. And in that program, I met... Now a colleague of mine, British woman, Catherine Andrews. She's also a very dedicated coach and she was a leader of purpose-led organizations around the topic of environment for a lot of years. And interesting, she was at the same point as I was at that moment and said, I want to co-create. It's about nature. It's about leadership. And I said, yes. And for me, it's about communication. Because my speciality, I'm expert, let's say, in communication, written, verbal, and intercultural communication. So it's about connecting people and uh, making them better work together. It's about conflict management and resilience. And I thought there must be something which has to do with nature where this can be um, improved and increased and become better. But I didn't find anything about it. So it was about coaching, which is very interesting. But I wanted to do it in organizational development, in leadership, in uh, mediation, facilitation, communication, well-being. And uh, step by step, there was always something new which entered into this this research, I discovered Janine Benyus, mm. biomimicry, very interesting. And I thought, wow, that's good. She's biologist, so it's about the scientific approach, how to learn from nature. And um, I thought, but oh my God, I'm not a scientific, I'm not a scientific person, and most of the people are not scientific. Most of the people have their expertise in something else. And then I thought, okay, I have to discover uh, methods and tools and ways to combine these tools. Mm -hmm. And so I started with Catherine, looking for methods and becoming creative. Yes, and at the end, 
the result now is we are going to launch um, a program which is called Natural Resourcing. It's addressed to leaders and professionals. Let's say the, the reason to be interested in it, of course, is originally the disruption of COVID. Mm. But I think it's even more the fact that people today are working so much online and remotely and are sitting even more in front of the screens that we, we need something to get back into balance. Yeah. So our approach is to bring back into this balance and to establish new habits, to get in connection with nature and to get answers for questions, maybe to find new questions and to refocus and in fact to become more effective at work and more motivated in work, but also of course in life. So we are starting a taster and we are very, very excited to see if our um, design uh, will work. We're very uh, excited also to get the feedback and to see how this will continue. And meanwhile, what is interesting, your Earth Converse is much older, so you are for so many more years turned towards the conversation with Earth. But my impression is that this conversation which matters with Earth about nature, about who we are and where we want to go to as humankind is starting to touch more and more people. And this is very, very motivating for future. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and you know, you're responding to that, you know, if the, if you're experiencing it, others are experiencing it, aren't they? And I love this idea that you've gone on your own journey of, inqu you know, inquiring and, and you're meeting the right people, the right people are telling you, we go down this path, this path, and you're, and you're collecting it. And also in terms of finding the tools, you know, like what is yours, your offer? And it sounds beautifully holistic and integrated. And then da dancing with this balance, this online but groundedness sounds, yeah, wonderful. When are you launching? Tomorrow starts a two-week ta taster with a small group of um, HR people. Mm -hmm. And um, then we get their feedback. And afterwards, we will try to, to market, to do the marketing, to um, find customers interested in it. Maybe we already have some, we will see. And the program we are doing, if you are interested in it, is a program of five modules. So we can do it as a five-week program. But our original intention is to do it as, as a nine-week program. So we have one week inhale and one week exhale. Nice. One week we are together and one week where people experience and then they come back. Yeah. So like breathing mm. and go into a certain rhythm and integrate it afterwards in their daily um, and professional life. For the moment, we probably do it in, uh, at lunchtime, lunch break. So for those who are interested in They can do it during their professional day, their working day. 
And we will see if we maintain this schedule or if we do it at an hour or other hour. This will all depend on how it will continue. Mm. But for the moment, that's the program we have designed. And mm. we are very, very, that's very lovely. Very I love the inhale, exhale. And also the sense of uh, integratedness, you know, with your daily life. And because that's where it's at, isn't it? Because of how do we feel connected to ourselves, each other and the earth in any moment, and how do we cultivate that and become mindful of that? I think there's something else. Um, today we all speak about climate change, about climate crisis, and hopefully not climate catastrophe. We speak about sustainability, and I think it's very difficult to become sustainable all of a sudden if you don't feel the need or the wish to do it. It must be something very strong to go this, this path. And I think a lot of people are still at a point where they think nothing will happen, or we will find a solution at the right time, um, or I don't know what to do. And what people don't like in general is to be forced. Yeah. So I think that when you experience the well-being and the consultancy of nature mm. and its wisdom and the support mm. in your daily life on a very pragmatical and very practical level, then the, the probability that you will think, oh my God, nature is so good for me. I have to protect it because there is so much in it I need for my daily life and for my balance and resilience and my creativity and my patience with others, so my communication skills, that then the next step to think about what can I do is a little bit easier. Mm. And then when it's about what can I do to protect it, mm. then there are so many small steps to take where if people are interested, we could support them, but this is not part of the program. Mm. And I think that each approach to nature is a positive approach to nature as long as it is not one with you have to. Well, no. yeah, exactly. It's never going to be sustainable, is it? And and that's also become sort of the critical parent to the child. The child's not going to is going to resist, isn't it? So Absolutely. I love this idea of the you know um, the lover earth. You know, the co creation is is two sort of two equals and a, a lovely give and take. And the idea of you know if we connect with our own love, we're going to protect, aren't we? You know, and so reminding each person of their own nature and their own connection because everybody does whether whether they have have experience of you know deep wilderness or you know being uh, being um, in, in a in a closed area you know this sort of sense of reminding people of their own love and i think another aspect which is important for nature is um not everybody is living nearby green spaces mm. not everybody has this approach Not everybody is maybe physically able to go out in nature. So one other aspect which is important is how to bring nature 
to those who don't have easily access. And it's not about um, forcing people to go out in the big wild because there are people who are a little bit introvert, a little bit cautious, um, maybe not so adventurous as we are, you know. So it's also about how to deal with those who maybe um, prefer having a bouquet of flowers in their home or a nice plant uh, nearby their office desk. This is also absolutely okay. So for us, I, I, I talk now about Catherine B because now we, we co-create and originally it was for me and for her, now it's for us. Um, we also think about how to, to bring nature into our homes or near so that for those who don't want to go out, who can't go out, who need too much time to go really further away, um, they can have this experience with nature. Mm. And this is very interesting because there we also become very creative And I think this is also a big issue concerning people living in urban surroundings. And um, I recently read an article about experiences in Germany of teachers going out with the children. Because in our schools, we don't have all the, um, the equipment which is necessary now with COVID and the aerosols and, you know... And their experience, which is a very positive one. The children, they learn, yeah. they are motivated, their pro-social behavior becomes better, their communication becomes better. And I think there's so much positive aspects in nature that uh, it should be there and, and um, people th should um, get an introduction at all ages. And yeah. at all physical and mental states. Absolutely. And I think in terms of introducing, you know, to children and adolescents is the, is the best thing we can do to create this eco soul based But I love this. I really do in terms of, you know, the nature that's inside. Like I talk about on the, on the podcast and a number of the podcast contributors you know where it's a spectrum you know at some level this computer is from nature everything Absolutely. around us and it's just a, a spectrum from process to to the wild and you know this this the sacredness of the water the shower if we're lucky to have water you know in the food we eat there's how we can connect and I'm curious about some of the creativity things that you and Catherine have What have you yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to um, talk too much about it because, of course, I want to yeah. raise also curiosity. Yeah. There are quite a lot, and we are. It's an ongoing process. We are sometimes very creative, so we have a lot of ideas. Sometimes we think, okay, let's see. What I uh, could tell you um, is, I also discovered since COVID the gardening, and. This started in last March when I was inside. All of a sudden, I had such a need for green. And I took some seeds and I put some water on it. I poured some water on it and I observed the seeds growing, becoming a small plant, a bigger plant, afterwards a beautiful flower. And I was so fascinated by this wonder 
that in this little seed, the whole plan is inside it. And it's just about adding some ingredients like water, air, and, and light, the sun. And then the plan is able to, to develop. So then I started looking for a garden, which is quite difficult at the moment because everybody all of a sudden wanted a garden. So there was this need to go out. I found a garden. And now whenever I have a bit of time, I go there. And the garden is an excellent remedy to not stay all the time in front of the computer and the screen because there's so much to do. I know my plants need water and I have to go there. And the have to is I want to go there. So it makes me go out in nature and um, experiment a lot. And um, for example, my relation to warmth, you call them warmth, this little... Yeah. Um, changed completely. When I was a child, I was very interested. Afterwards, I got disconnected. I thought, oh, ugly, not nice. And now when I see a warm, I talk to the warm and I say, hello, you are here. That's very nice, fantastic. So nice, the, the soil is, you know, healthy and all this. And when I see a warm, I take the warm, I put it into the earth, I cover it, I don't throw it away. So I, I, I start um, myself getting more and more connected to all the species. Mm -hmm. And I realize, though I'm not a talented or um, trained gardener, it works out quite well. And I suppose it's also because I do it with this dedication. And, um, and this is a very interesting experience because now I feel I give something back to, to the soil. I think about the quality of the soil. And um, for example, I discovered what we call an invasive neophyte, which is a plant not originally from this soil in Germany, but I think from Asia. And this is invasive, so it's quite dangerous and can throw out all the others. And uh, for the first time, I thought, okay, this is very important. If I don't want to have it here and I would like to maintain the biodiversity, then I have to be very careful with this invasive neophyte and put it somewhere else. Otherwise, it will be really more and more invasive. So there are a lot of learnings by gardening. And I think about what does this um, has have to do with our daily life, with our professional life. And, um, and for example, seeding, I think, mm. just having a small seed, putting it into the earth, in a pot and observing what happens. Too much water, not enough water. What's the right balance? How often? What happens if I put it here or there? Where's the big, the, the right place? So many things to think about when it's also um, about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Too much acknowledgement, not enough acknowledgement. 
can be both not positive as well as criticism. Where is my right place? Mm. Where I can really thrive? Mm. Is there enough sun for me or do I need less sun? Yeah. Individually, completely different. And this, I think, is uh, there is a lot to talk about when we talk about nature. We talk about ourselves, mm. about the outside nature and, of course, our inside nature. Yeah, the lovely mirroring of that. And there's so, yeah, and just oh, there's so many things I want to sort of, yeah, reflect back what you've just said. It's just lovely. I, I just, I think this, um, the, the simple thing is the simpleness of it. Actual, the seeding, the importance of care and attention. I think of potential. I think of, yeah, all the metaphors that you can draw from that and the lessons. I think of also, you know, in terms of you've said about climate change, there's so much focus on technological things and renewable resources. But if actually if we, if we paid attention to our own relationship to the earth, I think in terms of if we, you know, caring for the soil, the water, the forests, doing that will be yes. much more regenerative and help more than, than the renewable technologies and this focus on reducing emissions. We may reduce emissions, but our, our waters are polluted and our soils are, you know, are without worms, you know. So I think there's something, yeah, really going back to the to essence Yes, and I think that when we observe nature, what as you as you said, we realize that it it's not only about throwing away, using and throwing away, but it's a lot about discovering, oh, I can reuse something, I can recycle something, I can redefine something, I can redesign something. And, for example, for me very interesting recently was when a colleague of mine who is a lot in sustainability consulting, he said, yes, you can replant rests of what you have in the kitchen. I have never thought about that, you know. And I thought, yes, of course I can take an old potato Yeah, which has already some green or an onion or maybe something else and see if it grows. Why not? And it could be good. You know, these are very, very simple things, but we are so accustomed in buying or taking, using and throwing. It's always taking, using, throwing. It's not taking, using and reusing or redefining and giving it back and discovering that this we are doing the whole time what with everything we do we do it sometimes with people we do it with products we do it with our time mm. we have this linear time thinking mm. you know there is a beginning and an end mm. so we use our time and then it's over mm. but in, in nature, it's a cyclical, a spiral conception of time. Mm -hmm. And if you enter in this, your approach towards your proper life, towards what is around you, if you have children or no children, grandchildren or no grandchildren, it's not important because all of a sudden you 
experience, it's not only this line which is finished, but it's continuing and you are part of this continuing process. So what you put into it is not lost. It continues in one way or another. And when you are gardening, for example, you see it in a very concrete, in a very, let's say, simple but wondrous way. And you realize, oh my God, why should this rule not be valuable for whatever we do? Because we, at the end, we are ashes. So we are earth, we are nature. Even if you are very rational and scientific, and it's not about uh, just becoming like this, pink and fluffy, it's about keeping your head, your ration, your reason, and using all the other senses and uh, getting and, and, and widening the view to a more, yes, as you said, holistic view, which can be sometimes a bit strange because we just start experiencing and realizing it. And there are a lot of saboteurs in our mind telling us, oh, that's really completely silly. What do you do? This is not rational. But we realize, we experience not everything may be rational or is not yet um, to be explained in a rational way. Maybe it will, it will come, mm. but uh, there is more than what we can explain. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and absolutely okay to say my opinion is different. I see it in a different way. I would say, yes, okay, let's talk about it and see how this comes and uh, what you experience. Um, but we see that the cyclic way of behaving maybe also for our future as humanity, um, more um, successful way of continuing. And that's why I think that the communication with nature is so important mm -hmm. because nature will give us answers and help us to find solutions to, um, to address climate crisis and to go forward um, in, econo in economy, in politics, in social, in education, in arts, mm -hmm. in philosophy, in everything. And... Um, What is very interesting, maybe you probably also know it, is that in fact all these ideas are not new. No, we're not. They have always been there, you know, that we have forgotten. <laughs> we have we're not we're arrogant to think they are. We have been completely disconnected to it. This is it's it's incredible. No, really. And I'm just curious about your own journey about in terms of where you have had been, you know, your nature connection from when you were young and these big, long experiences, deep experience in nature. But why was it that COVID suddenly woke you up around this? Um, yes, I think I was already quite sensitized before COVID. Mm. But my nature experiences were limited to I go out for a hike. Mm -hmm. I go out for a long trip, I do a picnic, or I go for a walk. So it was always something I did 
when I had time. It didn't have anything to do with my daily and my professional life. It was one sphere and the other sphere. Like um, I go singing in the choir, yeah, in the choir, or I go out uh, into the restaurant or I go dancing or I go in theater. So this was nature. Yeah. And with COVID, something happened which changed it. Everything which was part of these external spheres was finished. No choir, no restaurant, no party, no theater, nothing. There was my home and some shops to get something to eat. There was the screen. Maybe after a certain time, from time to time, someone whom I met at the very beginning for weeks and weeks, nobody. And the only sphere which was still open, fortunately, was nature. And at that moment, I had sold my house, which was nearby nature. I had just before COVID moved to a city, into an apartment. And this apartment, really in the nice city, um, in the backyard. So when I look out of my window, there is the next wall of a house. And I thought, oh, that's good, nice people. And everything's true. But when COVID started, I thought, oh my God, only walls. And my son plants in the apartment. What has happened? And then that's the moment when nature entered into my life. Re and yeah, really, re-entered. <laughs> really entered into my life. And I thought, what do I need to maintain my health? physical and mental health, eyes, back, you know, all these things. And how can I increase my productivity? This was not my first thinking, but by the time this came. And there was nature asked. And yeah. I got answers. Yeah. And no wonder you're talking about resourcing, you know, like nature resourcing, because you're resourcing yourself. And I think, I think what this conversation is echoing many people's experience. I think you're giving words to a lot of people's experience, Martina. I really do. Yes. I think that's the real, the real value of it. And I remember you saying, and it was a nice um, journey of, I think you were quoting somebody else, the, where you go move from consumer of nature to observer to participant. And I think that that's a typical journey too. We consume, you know, I, I use it for my well-being or I, it's, a, it's a good hiking trail or I, I you know, I get, go on my bike there or picnic and then the observing going, oh, there's something else. There's the parallel, all oh, the seed or the worm or, you know, what's my life or the path. And, and then you find yourself really a participant. I am that worm. I am that soil. So I think a journey towards partnering, yeah, and being part and partnering. Yeah, no. Um, and also about wishing to give back. And this is a very nice impulse because I think that the best we can do for future is to get more and more in this attitude of sharing knowledge, what we have, and <clears throat> becoming more and more 
hosts. Yeah. And not only visitors, but Mm -hmm. hosts. And I think that the digital world offers us these opportunities to network, Mm -hmm. to co-create, yeah, all this. And, um, And nature, in my opinion, intensifies the wish to do so. For example, when I went out for a walk, um, when I came back, I saw some litter on the floor, on the, on the ground. And all of a sudden I thought, I can't leave it there. Mm. It really, this beautiful nature is now ugly because of what we throw on her. And so I had a, a little bag and some gloves And I started picking up all the litter until I returned back home and I had a big bag. And this is nothing special and a lot of people do it. But what was interesting for me was this sudden, you know, impulse to do so. Nobody was there telling me you have to or I haven't haven't read it. So it was, I want to. And I felt so happy because I, I had the feeling as if I had shown my, my gratitude yeah. towards the, the soil I was allowed to go on mm. and the beauty I was allowed to look at mm. and to resource myself with it. This was my way to give back on this path. And I thought this is also a nice experience because it may occur to others. Maybe something else occurs to others. So it would be interesting to know what it is. That's why it's so important to talk about nature. Absolutely. Yeah. I think and everybody, you know, in terms of the stories and the the ways of being, and there's just, uh, but there's just a lovely grace in that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's lovely. Yeah. You know, I would like to read a quote from Janine Banyas because <gasps> Please. I think I found it on her website today. And I think this is a very nice quote. So she is the the founder and co-founder of of the Institute, but she is the one who founded the idea of biomimicry. Biomimicry is a practice that learns, I have written it down, from and mimics the strategies used by species alive today. She's a biologist, so the goal is to create products, processes, and policies. This is on a very economical, industrial level, and she uses, but in a partnering way, nature. And what she said is, we are awake now, and the question is, how do we stay awake to the living world? How do we make the act of asking nature's advice a normal part of everyday inventing. And learning about the natural world is one thing. Learning from the natural world, that's the switch. That's the profound switch. And I think that's where we are at the moment. And shall we pause at that moment? Is there anything else you want to say? I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Penny, for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you. It's a beautiful offering. And I'm going to, you give me the links and we'll put some, yeah, the links in there and just that, hopefully that ripple effect. Bless you. Bless you and your work. And I just, 
there's also this, you know, the COVID, so many, you know, different experiences and similarities, but it is where what from the pain of COVID, what gifts, and you've stepped into that. And thank you so much. Yeah. And maybe as you said, similarities, I think it's so good that there's a lot of similarities because it means it's a critical mass which is about really to have an impact mm. and it's about our future. Yeah, yeah, I do believe that. I do, I really, you know, in terms of this echoing, this exponential rise in consciousness and what happens when we really have a deep connection with nature in your experience? Um, I think there's different levels and uh, for me, I can say it depends on how long I'm in nature. So it does not always happen all of a sudden, but I have some experiences. And one experience was a very deep one when I was on this long hike from Austria via Slovenia to in Italy. I had one experience very much at the beginning um, I was walking with my backpack, which is which was so uh, heavy, and um, I really thought I couldn't go forward anymore. I was on a muddy path. On one side, a little bit deeper, was a very wild, small river, but nevertheless very wild, with water sprinkling all over the rocks. And I was a little bit frightened that I could fall into that river with my backpack. It was gray and foggy and the clouds and some raindrops. And I knew I should do this path for six kilometers. There was no way out. So I was really a little bit frightened. And all of a sudden, I felt that this backpack was like lifted. Mm-hmm. And I felt it all of a sudden, it became light. And I thought, oh my God, what happened? I didn't lift it myself with the, ha- with the hands. And then I turned on the right and I saw there was something. I don't know what it was. I thought maybe my protecting angel. I had never experienced it. And, but I wasn't afraid because I felt really protected. It was also like if someone yeah, had met his arm around my shoulder and just keep me, go forward. And so I feel all of a sudden safe and light. And I walked forward and arrived at the end of the path, six kilometers later. And it was like as if I had gone just 10 minutes. When I went out of this path, there are, I arrived at the end. I realized that I arrived at the end because all of a sudden the backpack became heavy again. And I thought, Mom, oh my God, why? And there was no protecting arm or whatever anymore. And I was surprised. And then I saw it's the end of the path and there's the village. And this was not the only one that I had this experience. I even had a deeper one, a very personal one, and I share it, though, I know that people who have never experienced it may think maybe she's crazy. I'm not. But it was a very intense experience on two levels. 
It was two or three weeks later on. I had already hiked for some time. I was trained. I had um, lightened my backpack and left some things behind. So I was really in balance. It was sunny. I was happy. I had 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 my coffee beforehand. And I was singing, uh, walking in a forest. And this forest reminded me later on, not at that moment, the forest of my ancestors. Because my family comes from Czechoslovakia as Germans and had to leave after World War II. So these are the stories I was told when I was a little child and always very nice stories. So I didn't really know about horrible things But I knew they came from that country. And I was walking, singing and smiling and observing the birds and the leaves and my path. And all of a sudden, I started crying. And I thought, what happens? I feel so happy and tears dropped down. I couldn't. It was as if I was cut into two. I don't know. I can't explain it. So my first thought was, who is crying me? It's not me. I'm fine. And then I saw in front of me and I was walking the whole time. So I was moving, a normal hiker moving with backpack on his back. And I saw on the right hand, the ancestors, my grandparents and Arya grandparents and so on of my mom and on the left of my father. Some of them I knew, the direct ones. Some of them I had seen photos. And then there were a lot of people behind. It was like, I I would say infinite, but I just saw the first one that I knew there are a lot behind. And they watched me, they looked at me, and I looked at them, and I thought, oh, my God, it's your tears I'm crying. Why am I crying your tears? And then the answer was, you had to be so strong. You couldn't cry. You weren't allowed to cry. You know, now we talk about feelings. We talk about tears. We talk about personal things like I do now. But former generations weren't allowed to be so self-reflective, so individualistic, so concerned about their own Mm well-being. So they had to um, fit into the role and do that. All together, you know. And I felt that they were standing like this, looking at me without any expression in their faces, and I was crying. And then something strange happened and I think what was really strange I was not afraid though it was frightening I had the feeling that the soil under me opened and I was falling it was an endless fall Mm. when I fell but I was continuing walking but inside I fell into this this gap And then I came back and it closed. And I I thought, I have fallen to the beginning of everything. 
to the past of everything, to the start of everything. And then I thought, and I was still crying, what do I do? I think about the past. And most of the time I think about the future, not the faraway future. I think about what do I have to do tomorrow? How, what uh, appointment will I have next week? How will I planify my vacation? I am always in future. And then I looked up and in front of me, there was a huge tube standing in front of me in the forest where I walked, but it was as if I was standing in front of it, not moving. And this huge gray tube, I went up with my, it didn't finish. And I was, I'm thinking in future, I'm thinking in past. When at least am I in the present, in this moment? <laughs> and all of a sudden, this tube crackled and it fell down. And there was nothing. And then I, I can only say, I experienced a moment of no limits, of serenity, of incredible happiness. The, the words are not enough. It was a, a feeling of everything and it was very beautiful. And then everything was over and I was there still walking. But the walking, I can't remember having done it during this experience, but I know I walked because I had gone forward. Yeah. It was really a very incredible experience of being in the outside, in, in the space and in time moving. And this experience, which was, I would say, in a way, out of space and time. And I then I ran on, on a, towards a place, a, a cut a trunk of a tree. I sat down, I took my iPad and I wrote, <laughs> wrote, wrote, wrote this story. I have never read it again. I don't have to read it because it's inside me. It, it is in your, yeah, your bones, your... Yeah. Yes, And this was because he asked me about connection. I think this was a deep result of a deep connection, which I experienced once in my life. I couldn't repeat it if I wished to. It just happened to be. And besides um, what I saw, what was what is incredible is it completely, um, it make, made me completely lose the fear of death. Yeah. And I spoke about the linearity before when we talked that we, um, we are accustomed, as we are individualistic, we are accustomed to uh, cons consider time as money. Um, so we have to be careful about our time to be economic and efficient and decide what we do with our time because we have this linear concept of beginning and end mm. and of um, the half full glass. There's not, not much left. And when I experienced this, 
which is not easy to integrate into daily life, I realized that suppose we are a tube, our soul is uh, living, I don't know, because these are soft terms which are not easily to be um, proved, so I'm very careful about talking about this, but just assume that it is like that. Then it means that this tube, this body, which is materialistic, and we know will die at a certain time, like a plant becomes dry, and we know life has left the plant or the animal or the human being, But if this is the concept, then it would mean that this living energy which we have in us is not lost, let's say, and is still there outside this tube or this body. Of course, this is not, nothing I can prove. It's a very personal experience. But it's a result, I would say, of nature connection I experienced And it's a very helpful experience for my concept of, mm. of life and how to live. And also about the fact that as plants, we are going through seasons, but that there is this cyclic aspect. Yeah. yeah? So this was an, an addition, an additional experience I had, which was, um, while I was in nature. And I think it's something important. It happened uh, each time I was on my own in nature. I love to go out with friends. So as I love to, to talk to you or to have you as someone who listens to me. But the, the real nature experience I always have it on my own. And um, this is a quality of nature uh, which is worth and valuable to be discovered. Yeah. And uh, I would not invite uh, everybody to go out while being very fearful. But I would invite people to try a bit and a bit more And always to be, in order to, to be safe, to leave their phone number, not to go out too far. And of course, always have a look at their steps, where they go. Be well prepared with um, footwear and all the rest and something to drink. But I would invite people, try out and see what happens. Don't be afraid and uh, and just... Continue, keep going, don't stop. It's like keep sawing. Yeah. And one seed with it, which is yeah. flourishing, you know? Oh, Martina, you've just told it such sacred stories, and I'm so grateful. This is, this is beautiful sharing of really, and I know it's deeply personal, and I really appreciate that. And I know people that are listening will hold it hold it with such care and that sort of sense of, you know, through your own experience of this deep belonging and connectedness, 
you know, to be seen by your ancestors. In that moment, that crying for them and ancestral healing, you know, to, to feel being held as you go along that path, you know, not to be falling into the water. I mean, this is just, this is deeply. And maybe I can add something because um, I was never very much concerned about my ancestors. So this connection to the past, where do I come from, uh, was never really a topic in my life. And, but I think that we are all now on this earth with climate crisis again, that we are um, asked to remember that we are the outcome and we experience everything around us as the result of all the ancestors yeah. for us. And there is Roman Krasnazic, maybe I didn't yeah. Um, yeah. pronounce it correctly, yeah. who wrote the book, The Good Ancestor, you know? And it's this relation between the past and the future and the long-term thinking and the re responsibility for the future And in Germany, the federal law organization or ministry, Bundesgerichtshof, just decided, and this is something very, very deep and very new, because we are not a country where the ancestors are honored. Mm. And we are not a country which is a long-term thinking country, though we are very much interested in quality, and durability and things like that. And they decided that we have to live, to produce and to create in a way and to behave and to decide and to have laws in a way that we don't postpone our responsibilities on how we say mm -hmm. the shoulders of the future generations but we have to take them into, into consideration. And I think this is revolutionary for our country yeah, because yes. it means we are responsible for what is going to happen even after our lifespan. And this means that this intergenerational relation and connection and dependent, interdependence is existing and recognized. And I'm very happy about that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Because I love, you know, you, it wasn't, you know, part of you, you, you're thinking about your ancestors, but then they turned up, didn't they, you know, and you literally in their presence. And I also, yeah, in terms of this good ancestor, how can I be a good ancestor? And I haven't read that book, but I've tuned into the Good Ancestor podcast. Yeah, whose shoulders are we um, standing on? Calling them in and forgiving or asking them about their story to be heard and also to ask advice, you know, this interconnectivity and intergenerational wisdom and healing. Beautiful. Yes, there's so much in it, in nature, and so uh, many conclusions we can have while being in connection with nature. And I think it's, a very, very important, maybe the most important teacher we have for our future life on this earth. And as I'm working with, with economy, with companies, of course, my intention is how to support my customers 
to find new ways to become innovative and competitive and this in a peaceful and collaborating mm. and networking way of producing ideas and products and services. Mm, that are in service of life. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you, sweet soul. With great pleasure. You made me talk about something <laughs> I normally keep yeah. closed and hidden in myself, but as it is a part of my nature connection experience, it may be helped um, one or the other of the audience to, to share their own experiences too or to be interested to have a look what can, all what can happen in nature. Yeah, and with nature. Yeah, thank you so much for that and the trust and, and sacredness of sharing that because we need to tell our stories. The land needs to tell our stories. The ancestors need to hear those stories. And, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Penny. So we'll put a pause here and see you back for the next Earth Converse podcast. In the meantime, go out and enjoy Earth, one conversation at a time. And for something different, I've left you with a few sounds of push in the morning.